Hey, how you doing? My name is Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. So let me, I, I, have, I always have, wait, up there, the sun. Every time I stream, the sun is just up there. It looks like a Marian apparition is happening right behind my head. But today, we'll be going over a little section from this book right here, The Ordinatio of Blessed John Duns Scotus, Volume 1 on Revelation and Theology. So in there, he writes about the sufficiency of Scripture, which seems like a Protestant idea to even talk about the sufficiency of Scripture. But in a lot of the medieval scholastics, they would speak of the sufficiency of Scripture. So I wanted to, my argument, at least from this section, is that what Blessed Scotus is talking about is that he is talking about the materials of what we would call at least the material sufficiency of Scripture. It's a very interesting section. Um, you can, uh, this is my um, my proof copy, so that's why it has the not for sale thing right there. But you can buy a copy of this uh, in the link below. I republish it. Uh, technically, Volume 2, Part 1 on Enjoyment is out right now. You can get it on Amazon. I just haven't publicly announced it because I don't have my proof copy yet to uh, to show off. So I'm still waiting for that to come in the mail. Amazon is a little bit uh, laggy when it comes to hardcover, uh, sending out hardcover volumes. So I still I don't have that yet. But uh, that's a good reminder. If you want the PDF to uh, Volume 1, you can go to my Patreon. I Every book I republish, I do post the PDF on Patreon. So if you become a patron at patreon.com slash militantomist. And then right now I also have my militantomist mug, which can be bought on christianbwagner.com slash shop or in the link below. Can't super chat? What? Why can't you super chat? Oh, did... I, yeah, I need to, um, Byzantine Scotus and I were talking about this. We've both been very lazy when it comes to sending all of our ID and information about monetization. So maybe that has something to do with it. They finally got mad enough at me. So there, I need to send that in. Okay, so what else? I think that's about it. I'm still actually looking for the PDF myself. I wasn't, for some reason, I wasn't able to, wasn't able to find it. Um, I know it's on there, though. Let me see. So. Let me click that. View. Nope, that is something different. Where in the world? This is kind of embarrassing. Where in the world did I put? That PDF. You know, I might actually just go on. Simpsons. Yeah, I'm just going to go on Simpsons. Uh, PDF version of it. I won't even go on my own PDF version of it. I don't know why I can't find that. My computer is just has so many PDFs on there. I have like an entire library just on my computer. So, let's see. It is the in the prologue to the Ordinatio. Let me just share my screen. Hi, Elijah. What's up? 
Okay. There you go. This is Peter Simpson. Okay. The sufficiency of revealed doctrine. It's number 95. In my coffee hasn't kicked in yet this morning. I'm still drinking it. Okay. So in this in this uh, locus, I've actually I actually have a video on the truth of sacred scripture. This part, but I'll skip it because it's very long. And all he he's doing is giving the various arguments for why we should trust sacred scripture. But I did do a video on this. Uh, I think it's just called uh, "Militant Scotist?" Question mark. So if you want to, if you're really interested in SCOTUS on the truth of sacred scripture, you can go there, but I will just read the other parts and kind of go over it with you guys. So the question he's answering is, and this is going to be, I actually will just explain how it, um, how it works since I am the editor of SCOTUS's Ordinatio, whether this supernatural knowledge necessary for the wayfarer is sufficiently handed on in sacred scripture. And then the wayfarer is just a word used in scholastic theology, uh, referring to the one who is um, who is not one of the blessed yet, who does not have to be a division yet, but is still a Christian on earth. So then he, just like you would expect in St. Thomas, he does have um, objectiones and then a said contra. So the question is asked whether the supernatural knowledge necessary for the wayfarer is sufficiently handed on in sacred scripture. And then that it is not. So think of these like the objections. Because necessary knowledge was never lacking to the human race, sacred scripture was not in the law of nature because Moses first wrote the Pentateuch, nor was the whole of sacred scripture in the Mosaic law, but only the Old Testament, therefore, etc. So what he's saying here is because... Um, before the Pentateuch was written, people sufficiently had knowledge from nature. And before the Old Testament was completed, the Mosaic law was sufficient. Therefore, um, sacred scripture itself is not sufficient, but something else that is the law of nature is sufficient because they didn't even need it before there. And then some may make a similar argument uh, from the early history of the church. Is sacred scripture is not sufficient. Um, all supernatural knowledge is not sufficiently handed on to the wayfarer. Um, because before, um, I don't know, probably around the, for some books like the 6th or 7th century, the canon wasn't uh, completed and you just had the teaching of the church before that. Uh, you, you, you know the arguments. Okay, so 96. Again, so this is going to be the second objection. The more acute in intellect any author of human sciences is, the more he avoids superfluity in handing them on. But in sacred scripture, there seem to be many superfluous things contained as the many ceremonies and histories, knowledge of which does not seem necessary for salvation, therefore, etc. So this objection is it's not sufficiently handed on because there's all this extra stuff that um, that isn't even necessary in there, such as histories and ceremonies. Basically, we only the, the Apostles Creed is what is what is sufficient because um, that, that doesn't have all this extra weird stuff, although. The Apostles' Creed does have some um, some extra stuff that aren't, I guess, per se necessary, such as that Christ was crucified under Pontius Pilate. I guess you could be uh, saved without knowing that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. So 97, the third objection. Again, there are many things about which it is not known with certitude from Scripture, whether they are sins or not. 
However, knowledge of these things is necessary for salvation, because he who does not know that something is a mortal sin will not avoid it sufficiently, therefore, etc. So this objection is, think about, uh, for example, birth control. The usage of contraception is a mortal sin, which would cause damnation. Now, the sacred scripture does not explicitly although one could make the case from Onan. Sacred scripture does not explicitly say never use contraceptives, and that would be a mortal sin to use contraceptives. Therefore, it does not sufficiently treat that in sacred scriptures. That would be the third objection. And now the said contra here. So Augustine in De Sib Dei, so in the city of God, says, speaking of canonical scripture, we have faith in it for things that it is not expedient to be ignorant of, and that we are not suited to know by ourselves. Okay, that is his proof of it. I'm going to check, actually. Yeah, the Theologia Viatorum is the Theology of Pilgrims or the Church Militant. Let me see. I invited Gideon on here, but he never responded. Byzant I'm sorry, Byzantine Scotus. I invited Byzantine Scotus on here but he has not responded to me. But to be fair, I did invite him like 10 minutes before I started the stream. Because believe it or not, I do not decide what I want to do. I have like all these ideas for future streams, and then I do not decide until like 15 minutes before what I want to do. That's very bad. Very bad for me. Okay, and then this, remember, is all the, the proof of the authority of Scripture. But I'm going to... There you go. Principal response to the question. So this is going to be his response to the question of whether all things are sufficiently handed on in Scripture. And again, if you're if you're somebody who's trying to read um, Blessed Scotus's Ortonatio, I should have I should have looked at this before uh, when we were up here. But when there is foot, look, there's no footnotes. But like down here. Where there are footnotes, it's very, very important to pay attention to the footnotes. This is very important because there are whole sections which look an interpolation. There's whole sections which he puts down here in the footnotes of important extra stuff to put in there. So very important to pay attention to the footnotes. Okay, so principal response to the question. Having established then against heretics that the doctrine of the canon is true, one must see second whether it is necessary and sufficient to the wayfarer for attaining his end. I say that the doctrine hands on what is the end of man in particular, because it is the vision and enjoyment of God, and this as far as concerns the circumstances of its desirability to wit, that it will be possessed after the resurrection by man immortal and soul and body together without end. So what his argument here is he's supposing that something is sufficient um, if it hands on the particular end of man. Now he says the particular end of man is the vision and enjoyment of God. So since sacred scripture hands on that particular end of the vision and enjoyment of God, therefore um, it hands on sufficiently what is to be known for salvation. So that's going to be his argument that he's working through right here, is it hands on the beatific vision. The beatific vision is our particular end. 
Therefore, it hands on um, sufficiently our particular end. Therefore, it is sufficient. The doctrine also determines the things that are necessary for that end. So not only does it hand on the end itself, you may be wondering, well, how is just handing on the end if you don't tell me how to get to the end? Well, he says it also determines those things which are necessary for the end to, to reach the beatific vision. And that they are sufficient because they are commanded. If thou wilt enter into life, he says, keep the commandments, about which it is Exodus 21 through 17, which if you remember, if you're a good Bible student, Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments, well, at least the version given in Exodus. Of these two is explication given, both as to what to believe and what to do in diverse places of Scripture. The properties, too, of immaterial substances are handed on in Scripture to the extent it is possible and useful for the wayfarer to know them. So he says, not only is that particular end of the beatific vision handed on in the words of sacred scripture, but also those means to reaching that end of the beatific vision are handed on in sacred scripture. That is what to do. So keep the commandments, the commandments of which are in Exodus 20, and then explication is given of those commandments throughout sacred scripture. So an entire moral theology is present in sacred scripture of what to do and then also those things to believe are handed on in sacred scripture and then he says too that the properties of immaterial substances so that would be souls and angels and god are handed on in scripture to the extent that it is possible and useful for the wayfarer to know so not all of these subtleties which uh, is not really useful now let's look in footnote 54 to see what's going on here so in uh, footnote 54, there's an interpolation, which is a little, um, which is an interpolation is a little section which is added in. So comparing these with the three reasons on which the solution of the preceding question depends, it is plain that scripture adequately contains the doctrine necessary for the wayfarer. So there you go. So that would be, uh, if if we wanted to uh, be super extensive, we could look back to 13 through 18 and 40 through 41 to establish a little bit more of these arguments. And depending on how long I will be going so far, maybe I will go back there and we can look. Okay, to the principal arguments. So this is going to be um, to those objections. So the first one is found in 95. So I actually want to read these objections again before we look at the solutions. Okay, this is... There you go. 95. Okay. So the first one is going to... The first objection is going to be... Because necessary knowledge was never lacking to the human race, sacred scripture was not in the law of nature because Moses first wrote the Pentateuch, nor was the whole of sacred scripture in the Mosaic law, but only the Old Testament, therefore, etc. So this objection is basically necessary knowledge was always in humanity, but um, scripture wasn't written. Scripture wasn't always present in humanity because Moses first wrote the Pentateuch. Okay, so this, um, he replies to the first reason, to the minor. So the minor is going to be because... Um, no, the minor is going to be that Moses first wrote the Pentateuch, nor was the whole of sacred scripture and Mosaic law, but only the Old Testament. 
He's going to write to the minor. I reply that the law of nature was content with fewer things, which came down by memory through fathers to sons. These men were also more endowed in natural powers, and therefore a modicum of inspired doctrine could suffice them. Or it should otherwise be said to this and to that about the law of Moses, that the ordered progress of scripture shows its dignity. It is plain from Augustine 83 questions, question 53, number four. So what he says in reply to this one is that back then, uh, before the law of Moses, first, there was already a mode of handing down doctrine which is found in tradition, so the passing down from father to son. That is, and it's still honestly, uh, I was just listening to someone the other day who made this point, but that is actually still the ordinary mode of the handing down of doctrine. That's the ordinary mode of uh, formalizing that, that matter which is found in Scripture, is the passing down of doctrine from father to son or from father to daughter. The normal, uh, uh, the normal catechetical pattern of parents teaching their children the faith. That is still the ordinary uh, means. But back then, they didn't even need uh, really scripture because first, it was, um, it was very close to them, the events that happened. And then second, their natural powers were stronger than ours. We were much weaker than they were. And then I guess uh, if we wanted to apply this to the early church, we could too, is that in the first, um, really, I guess you could say, um, before before the, the canon was completely uh, formalized, they still had a few books of sacred scripture. They maybe had a gospel or two, uh, depending on how the size of your church. If you were in like the Church of Rome, you had almost the entire canon, but if you were at uh, some church out there you might just have one of the gospels but you still had a certain part of sacred scripture and then you still had um the living memory of the apostles you had that like saint irenaeus talks about the passing down of doctrine to the elders you still had all of this but now we are in a completely different situation where uh sacred scripture takes that role of um that sufficient matter when it comes to doctrine. So that is how we would respond to this first objection against the sufficiency of scripture. Okay, now to the second, and this is going to be found in 96, so I'm going to read that again. Again, the more acute in intellect any author of human sciences is, the more he avoids superfluity and superfluity, I can't pronounce anything, superfluity, in handing them on. But in sacred scripture, there seems to be many superfluous things contained, as the many ceremonies and histories, the knowledge of which does not seem necessary for salvation, therefore, etc. So this objection, what it's getting at, is it's saying that um, if you're going to have a sufficient book for teaching something, you wouldn't add all this extra material. But sacred scripture adds all this extra material, therefore it's not sufficient. So to the second, he's going to reply, I say that it, that, um, sorry, I say that that is more sweetly grasped, that is hid under some literal statement, 
than if it were said expressly. And therefore, the fact that what is expressed in the New Testament was veiled under figures in the Old contributes to devotion, and this as to the ceremonies, but as to the histories. Both are examples declarative of the law. Likewise, from the whole process of Scripture is made plain and ordered government with respect to man and the whole creation. So actually, what Blessed Skoda says in response to this is that all of those ceremonies and histories that you have of the Old Testament that may seem useless, and I get this all the time, is that people will ask me, and I think uh, somebody in my last Q&A actually asked this, is how can I read the Old Testament? Because the Old Testament seems so worthless with all these ceremonies and figures and um, in histories. Like I read Leviticus and it just seems like I'm wasting my time reading Leviticus. And I'm getting these cool historical accounts of, um, of the way in which old, the Old Covenant ceremonial system worked. How can I read it? and actually um, gain some sort of devotion and knowledge of the faith from it. Well, what Blessed Skoda says in response, and what I usually say in response, is that actually what you have to do is you have to look beyond the veil. You have to read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament and realize that the gospel is revealed and preached, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So when you read the Old Testament, you are reading the self-same gospel that you're reading in the New Testament. That when you see the unbroken lamb, that unbroken lamb is a signification of Christ. When you read about um, the creation, let there be light, that is a signification of the incarnation. When you read uh, these, these various figures, while they did happen in history, that God has appointed them as signs which signify the truths of the Gospels. So he's saying, so what Blessed Scotus is saying is that rather than the Old Testament being superfluous, the Old Testament is this is the same preaching of the gospel as is present in the New Testament. I'm gonna check again to see if Gideon decided to get back to me. That nerd. Let's see if you want to discuss. Oh, maybe. He's at work. Lame. People with their jobs. Okay, let's see to the third. To the third objection. Again, there are many things about which it is not known from with certitude from Scripture whether they are sins or not. However, knowledge of these things is necessary for salvation. Therefore, he who does not know that something is a mortal sin will not avoid it sufficiently, therefore, etc. So the argument to the third is that um, basically uh, the example of contraceptives that I used earlier, we can't know that expressly from Scripture, therefore, um, sufficiency debunked. Okay, let's see his response to this. And I don't think there's any footnotes. Oh, there might be. Yeah, that's not really that important. Okay, so. To the third. Origin in his homily on Noah's Ark, um, homilies on Genesis, writes, quote, In scripture, an opportune silence seems to have been held on this point 
about which the nature of the consequence itself would sufficiently teach. Hence, many necessary truths are not expressed in sacred scripture, although they be virtually contained there as conclusions in the principles about the investigation of which was the labor useful of doctors and expositors. So this, at this point, you may be asking, hey, Christian, it seems that blessed Scotus is teaching a formal sufficiency of scripture. It seems at this point, from what we've read, that blessed Scotus thinks that scripture is sufficient in an absolute sense. Well, actually, that's not the case. And we see it here, is that many things of faith and of morals are not contained explicitly, but as he says, virtually as conclusions and principles. So you need to take that matter and bring the form about it of bringing conclusions to premises, conclusions to principles, as he says. So it's clear that here, while it may seem to this point that he's speaking about formal sufficiency, he's actually speaking of a certain material or uh, as, as I guess would be better to his point, a virtual uh, sufficiency that there are many things which are not explicitly spoken of of scripture and that's what the need is of doctors which would be um theologians and expositors which would be um i guess you could say uh, exegetes you need those doctors and expositors to bring forth those those conclusions which are present in principles that the average person at face value is not going to see in scripture and then he's going to continue with a uh, with another objection to his answer if you object that many things in human acts are doubtful as to whether they are mortal sins or not even after one supposes all the teaching of the doctors and expositors i reply the way of salvation is not doubtful because a man ought to guard himself from such things as from dangerous things lest while he exposes himself to danger he fall into sin but if someone wants to seek salvation but by not caring expose himself to the danger where perhaps from the kind of act there would not be mortal sin yet he will sin mortally by exposing himself to such danger as will be touched on elsewhere so basically what he says here is if somebody replies well it's still doubtful uh, whether something's a mortal sin or not he says well if you're exposing yourself to something which may doubtfully be a mortal sin then you yourself have fallen into a mortal sin but I don't necessarily accept uh, this premise, actually, from Blessed Scotus, because um, as St. Alphonsus Liguori says, a doubtful law does not bind expressly or certainly. So I actually don't accept this from Blessed Scotus, but that, that is at least his response, if we're just speaking on uh, what Scotus believes. Okay, so that's all I have for you today. Thank you for joining me. And make sure you do all those things that I told you to do before with um, subscribing and such. Make sure you like this video. Canadian Catholic is streaming right now. There you go. So I will see you guys tomorrow.